Good morning, Bulldogs. This is Mrs. Harms, and today I am going to be reading the prologue of one of my favorite books ever called The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. And be sure to stay tuned at the end because I have a special announcement. Prologue, a mountain range of rubble in which our narrator introduces himself, the colors, and the book thief. Death and chocolate. First, the colors, then the humans. That's usually how I see things, or at least how I try. Here is a small fact. You are going to die. I am in all truthfulness, attempting to be cheerful about this whole topic, though most people find themselves hindered in believing me, no matter my protestations. Please trust me, I am most definitely can be cheerful. I can be amiable, agreeable, affable, and that's only the A's. Just don't ask me to be nice. Nice has nothing to do with me. Reaction to the affirmation fact. Does this worry you? I urge you, don't be afraid. I am nothing if not fair. Of course, an introduction, a beginning. Where are my manners? I could introduce myself properly, but it's not really necessary. You will know me well enough and soon enough, depending on a diverse range of variables. It suffices to say that at some point in time, I will be standing over you as genially as possible. Your soul will be in my arms. A color will be perched on my shoulder. I will carry you gently away. At that moment, you will be lying there. I rarely find people standing up. You will be caked in your own body. There might be a discovery. A scream will dribble down the air. The only sound I'll hear after that will be my own breathing and the sound of the smell of my footsteps. The question is, what color will everything be at that moment when I come for you? What will the sky be saying? Personally, I like a chocolate-colored sky. Dark, dark chocolate. People say it suits me. I do, however, try to enjoy every color I see, the whole spectrum. A billion or so flavors, none of them quite the same, and a sky to slowly suck on. It takes the edge off the stress. It helps me relax. A small theory. People observe the colors of a day only at its beginnings and ends. But to me, it's quite clear that a day merges through a multitude of shades and intonations with each passing moment. A single hour can consist of thousands of different colors, waxy yellows, cloud spat blues, murky darknesses. In my line of work, I make it a point to notice them. As I've been alluding to, my one saving grace is distraction. It keeps me sane. It helps me cope, considering the length of time I've been performing this job. The trouble is, who could ever replace me? Who could step in while I take a break in your stock standard resort style vacation destination, whether it be tropical or of the ski trip variety? The answer, of course, is nobody, which has prompted me to make a conscious, deliberate decision to make distraction my vacation. Needless to say, I vacation in increments, in colors. Still, it's possible that you might be asking, why does he even need a vacation? What does he need distraction from? Which brings me to my next point. It's the leftover humans, the survivors. They're the ones I can't stand to look at. Although on many occasions I still fail. I deliberately seek out the colors to keep my mind off of them. But now and then I witness the ones who are left behind. 
crumbling among the jigsaw puzzle of realization, despair, and surprise. They have punctured hearts. They have beaten lungs, which in turn brings me to the subject I am telling you about tonight or today or whatever the hour and color. It's a story of one of those perpetual survivors, an expert at being left behind. It's just a small story really about, among other things, a girl, some words, an accordionist, some fanatical Germans, a Jewish fist fighter, and quite a lot of thievery. I saw the book thief three times. Beside the railway line, first up is something white of the blinding kind. Some of you are most likely thinking that white is not really a color and all of that tired sort of nonsense. Well, I'm here to tell you that it is. White is without question a color. And personally, I don't think you want to argue with me. A reassuring announcement, please be calm, despite that previous threat. I am all bluster. I am not violent. I am not malicious. I am a result. Yes, it was white. It felt as though the whole globe was dressed in snow, like it had pulled it on the way you pull on a sweater. Next to the train line, footprints were sunken to their shins. Trees wore blankets of ice. As you might expect, someone had died. They couldn't just leave him on the ground. For now, it wasn't such a problem, but very soon the track ahead would be cleared and the train would need to move on. There were two guards. There was one mother and her daughter, one corpse. The mother, the girl, and the corpse remained stubborn and silent. Well, what else do you want me to do? The guards were tall and short. The tall one always spoke first, though he was not in charge. He looked at the smaller, rounder one, the one with the juicy red face. Well, was the response, we can't just leave them like this, can we? The tall one was losing his patience. Why not? And the smaller one darn near exploded. He looked up at the tall one's chin and cried, Spindu, are you stupid? The abhorrence on his cheeks was growing thicker by the moment. His skin widened. Come on, he said, traipsing over the snow. We'll carry all three of them back on if we have to. We'll notify the next stop. As for me, I had already made the most elementary of mistakes. I can't explain to you the severity of my self-disappointment. Originally, I'd done everything right. I studied the blinding white snow sky who stood at the window of the moving train. I practically inhaled it, but still I wavered. I buckled. I became interested in the girl. Curiosity got the better of me and I resigned myself to stay as long as my schedule allowed. And I watched. 23 minutes later, when the train was stopped, I climbed out with them. A small soul was in my arms. I stood a little to the right. The dynamic train guard duo made their way back to the mother, the girl, and the small male corpse. I clearly remember that my breath was loud that day. I'm surprised the guards didn't notice me as they walked by. The world was sagging now under the weight of all that snow. Perhaps 10 meters to my left, the pale, empty-stomached girl was standing frost-stricken. Her mouth jittered. Her cold arms were folded. Tears were frozen to the book thief's face. The Eclipse. Next is a signature black to show the poles of my versatility, if you like. It was the darkest moment before the dawn. This time, I had come for a man of perhaps 24 years of age. It was a beautiful thing in some ways. The plane was still coughing. Smoke was leaking from both its lungs. When it crashed, three deep gashes were made in the earth. Its wings were now sawn off arms. 
No more flapping, not for this metallic little bird. Some other small facts. Sometimes I arrive too early. I rush, and some people cling longer to life than expected. After a small collection of minutes, the smoke exhausted itself. There was nothing left to give. A boy arrived first, with cluttered breath and what appeared to be a toolbox. With great trepidation, he approached the cockpit and watched the pilot, gauging if he was alive, at which point he still was. The book thief arrived perhaps 30 seconds later. Yeah, years had passed, but I recognized her. She was panting. From the toolbox, the boy took out, of all things, a teddy bear. He reached in through the torn windshield and placed it on the pilot's chest. The smiling bear sat huddled among the crowded wreckage of the human and the blood. A few minutes later, I took my chance. The time was right. I walked in, loosened his soul, and carried it gently away. All that was left was the body, the dwindling smell of smoke, and the smiling teddy bear. As the crowd arrived in full, things, of course, had changed. The horizon was beginning to charcoal. What was left of the blackness above was nothing now but a scribble and disappearing fast. The man, in comparison, was the color of bone, skeleton-colored skin, a ruffled uniform. His eyes were cold and brown, like coffee stains, and the last scrawl from above formed what, to me, appeared an odd yet familiar shape, a signature. The crowd did what crowds do. As I made my way through, each person stood and played with the quietness of it, it was a small concoction of disjointed hand movements, muffled sentences, and mute self-conscious turns. When I glanced back at the plane, the pilot's open mouth appeared to be smiling. A final dirty joke, another human punchline. He remained shrouded in his uniform as the graying light arm-wrestled the sky. As with many of the others, when I began my journey away, there seemed a quick shadow again, a final moment of eclipse, the recognition of another soul gone. You see, to me, for just a moment, despite all of the colors that touch and grapple with what I see in this world, I will often catch an eclipse when a human dies. I've seen millions of them. I've seen more eclipses than I care to remember. The flag. The last time I saw her was red. The sky was like soup, boiling and stirring. In some places it was burned. There were black crumbs and pepper streaked across the redness. Earlier, kids had been playing hopscotch there on the street that looked like oil-stained pages. When I arrived, I could still hear the echoes, the feet tapping the road, the children voices laughing, and the smiles like salt, but decaying fast. Then, bombs. This time, everything was too late. The sirens, the cuckoo shrieks in the radio, all too late. Within minutes, mounds of concrete and earth were stacked and piled. The streets were ruptured veins. Blood streamed till it was dried on the road, and the bodies were stuck there, like driftwood after the flood. They were glued down, every last one of them, a packet of souls. Was it fate? Misfortune? Is that what glued them down like that? Of course not. Let's not be stupid. It probably had more to do with the hurled bombs thrown down by humans hiding in the clouds. Yes, the sky was now a devastating home-cooked red. The small German town had been flung apart one more time. Snowflakes of ash fell so lovely, you were tempted to stretch out your tongue to catch them, taste them, only they would have scorched your lips. They would have cooked your mouth. Clearly, I see it. I was just about to leave when I found her kneeling there. A mountain range of rubble was written, designed, erected around her. She was clutching a book. Apart from everything else, the book thief wanted desperately to go back to the basement, to write, or to read through her story one last time. 
In hindsight, I see it so obviously on her face. She was dying for it. The safety of it, the home of it, but she could not move. Also, the basement didn't even exist anymore. It was part of the mangled landscape. Please, again, I ask you to believe me. I wanted to stop, to crouch down. I wanted to say, I'm sorry, child, but that is not allowed. I did not crouch down. I did not speak. Instead, I watched her a while. When she was able to move, I followed her. She dropped the book. She knelt. The book thief howled. Her book was stepped on several times as the cleanup began, and although orders were given only to clear the mess of concrete, the girl's most precious item was thrown aboard a garbage truck, at which point I was compelled. I climbed aboard and took it in my hand, not realizing that I would keep it and view it several thousand times over the years. I would watch the places where we intersect, a marvel at what the girl saw and how she survived. That is the best I can do. Watch it fall into line with everything else I spectated during that time. When I recollect her, I see a long list of colors, but it's the three in which I saw her in the flesh that resonate the most. Sometimes I manage to float far above those three moments. I hang suspended until a septic truth bleeds toward clarity. That's when I see them formulate the colors, red, white, black. They fall on top of each other, the scribbled signature black, onto the blinding global white, onto the thick, soupy red. Yes, often I am reminded of her, and in one of my vast array of pockets, I have kept her story to retell. It is one of the small legion I carry, each one extraordinary in its own right, each one an attempt, an immense leap of an attempt, to prove to me that you and your human existence are worth it. Here it is one of a handful, the book thief. If you like it, come with me. I will tell you a story. I'll show you something. So that was the prologue to The Book Thief, a remarkable story of survival during World War II. It is not an easy book to read. It has 10 parts. It is quite long, but it is definitely worth the read if you are interested in World War II. So now is the moment for the bonus footage. I am so excited to reveal the title of our book for our One Book, One School this year. We will begin reading uh, sometime after the winter break. Let me tell you a little bit about Out of My Mind by Sharon M. Draper. 11-year-old Melody has a photographic memory. Her head is like a video camera that is always recording, always. And there's no delete button. She's the smartest kid in her whole school, but no one knows it. Most people, her teachers and doctors included, don't think she's capable of learning. And up until recently, her school days consisted of listening to the same preschool-level alphabet lessons again and again and again. If only she could speak up. If only she could tell people what she thinks and knows, but she can't because Melody can't talk. She can't walk, she can't write. Being stuck inside her head is making Melody go out of her mind. That is until she discovers something that will allow her to speak for the first time ever. At last, Melody has a voice, but not everyone around her is ready to hear it.
We are all very excited to read and discuss Out of My Mind with all of you. I hope that we find some memorable lessons in this story and that we see ourselves in Melody, but also understand that everyone has a very special story to tell.